This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Our guest today is Mahmoud Mohaideen, Senior Vice President of the World Bank Group. Mahmoud, thank you so much for joining us today on Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you. So you are the Senior Vice President for the 2030 Development Agenda. Uh, in that role, what are your top priorities for, the, for today and for the next year going forward? Well, to get the SDG's uh, agenda uh, implemented, uh, for it to be taken seriously, not just at the global level or the big centers of activities in New York or in Washington, but uh, our hope as being reflected in uh, our flagship um, activities this year during the annual meetings of the IMF and the World Bank is to localize the SDGs. So as I've been uh, telling colleagues, including the Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations, my, my, good, uh, my good friend, Ms. Amina Mohammed, who is leading the UN work in this area, um, one will not be satisfied unless we get the villages talking SDGs. Um, and here, uh, the talk is not just aspirational talk, but basically assessing what we are achieving of them. Meaning, uh, are the numbers of the poor getting uh, less? Are the numbers of the employed are getting bigger? Are the numbers of uh, those with problems related to nutrition or, uh, or health issues are getting less? Uh, are we satisfied with the quality of, um, of health, education, um, sustainability of, uh, of networks, including uh, transport? Um, are we factoring in matters related to the environment, not to take it as a siloed um, uh, area of, uh, of focus, but are we factoring it in, in our decisions when it comes to, to growth, infrastructure, energy uh, networks. So this is basically what, uh, what will be a good measure of, uh, of success, not in Washington and New York, but uh, definitely in the villages and the cities and towns around the world. Do you have any examples of some areas in the, in the world where this localization strategy for the SDGs is working well? Uh, what would those examples be, and what could other regions learn from what's happening correctly there? As uh, we will be highlighting this time, we have a few good examples. One of them is uh, from Colombia. Mm -hmm. And um, this uh, particular nation uh, did well by embracing the SDGs even before they were announced as global goals. I think um, uh, um, they embraced them as part of their public policy uh, priorities in March 2015, um, while the SDGs were uh, supported um, and uh, endorsed by the uh, state leaders in September uh, 2015 um, uh, in a special summit in New York uh, at the General Assembly um, of the United Nations. Um, so Colombia gives us a good example. Uh, and there we see this issue of localization in action. Um, so a localization is a very interesting concept. It gets us away from this old debate about centralization versus decentralization. Mm -hmm. Localization is telling you that there are many things that are good to be handled at the center mm -hmm. uh, because of uh, economies of scale, because they make sense, because there is a comparative advantage at, uh, at the center. 
And then for each community, they may have their own uh, priorities, mm -hmm. as we have seen it even within one city, uh, Madayin. When I went to the different uh, districts or the communes, one commune may have uh, a priority to build a school. Another one, it's priority because they have the schools, they want to have libraries. Mm -hmm. The third com um, commune, because they have the schools and the library, they want to have uh, a recreational uh, facility uh, for senior citizens or for the young kids. So wh who will be deciding this? Mm -hmm. Even if you are a master of planning um, at the center in Bogota, in the case of Colombia, you will not really be aware mm -hmm. of the priorities of these few hundreds of individuals if they like a school for their kids or they like a hospital for their elderly. And here, it's basically the following. You, at the center, you need to understand the priorities for coordination and for resource allocation. You, at the center, may give ideas about what could be the best uh, prototype uh, model of uh, putting a school or um, a health facility. But then the adjustment based on the priorities should really be taken from this uh, prototype as a benchmark and uh, and move with it. Mm -hmm. And here I saw what I didn't see elsewhere. Uh, I mean, in the case of, um, of Madayin, um, that people are owning the project. They talk mm -hmm. about it as you and I would talk about something that we just mm -hmm. uh, done in uh, our uh, flat or our mm -hmm. house, mm -hmm. that uh, we are proud of something that mm -hmm. we did ourselves, mm -hmm. not just bought it from uh, from the market. And uh, as a guest of my house, as they did with me, they, uh, they took me in a tour. Please see this. Please go and see that. Mm -hmm. It's basically mm -hmm. not because it's a project that was enforced um, onto them by the state, although that this kind of a project could be very expensive, but basically we thought about it, and they started through translation to me, explaining to me how many weeks they debated this, mm -hmm. and with, about the priority, about the location, about the resources, about the management. This issue of ownership is when, when we were talking here in, in, um, in my friend George's days in the bank a few years ago, when they talked about ownership, it was about ownership of the country. Right. Now, the ownership, the country, we opened up this black box now. We are getting deeper. Right. And we have now the information uh, mm -hmm. and, the, and the possibility to be um, having uh, more data with uh, details. The granularity of details allowed us to know more about these kind of priorities. What could be the role of the World Bank here is basically not just to, uh, to watch with a smile, which I did, mm -hmm. but basically to provide financial support if, the, if this is needed. Right. Best countries practice, not mm -hmm. to them because now I'm bringing from mm -hmm. Colombia their ideas and knowledge and trying to uh, share it with others. I'm happy to see as well um, other models of uh, localization of ideas um, that came up with, uh, from Rwanda and mm -hmm. from, uh, from Kenya. And many of them to do with uh, information uh, technology and the use of information technology. While the center provided the huge investments in technology with huge uh, sunk costs and the backup uh, facilities, the, uh, the service to protect the, um, the, uh, the, the data and all of that, but there are many good solutions that have been happening in different villages with certain market dynamics that you and I cannot really imagine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so this is another good example 
um, from uh, from Kenya that didn't really stop at, in Nairobi mm. or the big uh, cities, but we saw that in villages, providing uh, better pricing mechanisms for uh, for the products by the use of um, of, of technology. Mm. But here, this issue of localizing uh, the use. So while um, you and uh, and me could be texting about uh, some particular issues here, you'll be seeing those um, uh, villagers and farmers texting about uh, uh, pricing issues, uh, insurance for their crops, uh, best whole, wholesaler. So all of this kind of stuff that you have the standard setters perhaps in the center, but you have all of these kind of flexibility um, in the peripheries that shouldn't be peripheries. They should really be the centers of uh, of their own. Um, um, actually, th this uh, this year the annual meetings is uh, hosting the president of uh, Rwanda mm -hmm. as a guest speaker in many things. I encourage you to attend some of his uh, uh, sessions. He's going to be talking about human development and uh, tailoring it for inclusive growth and how his policies are uh, flexible enough to accommodate what's in the rural areas and what should be in the urban areas. Just continuing on the localization. Thing. Yeah. In Colombia, in Rwanda, in Kenya, clearly there is a, a strong drive towards localization and it's working well. In other parts of the world where localization is less successful, what have you, from your perspective, seen to be the main obstacles? And what can the World Bank Group do to help overcome those obstacles so that they can share the same success as the... Yeah, I, I, th I think um, the, the, the new concept of localization based on the global goals mm -hmm. and uh, more flexible financial mechanisms and uh, using the public-private partnership schemes, using uh, a lot of relevant um, uh, and adaptive uh, technologies, including uh, in uh, information technology. This new model is new. Um, what you are right about is basically the old models mm. of decentralized, centralized, mm. some of them mm. went right, some of them went wrong. Mm. But this new approach of using this mix as a package, mm. global goals, which are only two years um, old, um, uh, means of implementation using finance and technology and information technology, mm. um, uh, getting the local uh, leaders mm. um, involved is a new thing. So I cannot really say that it failed. I only see that it is experimenting with some success in areas, and in other areas they are just trying to gain knowledge um, about it. But the, the, other, the other good example um, I can refer to is from China and Vietnam. Mm. These are... <coughs> countries which are very much proud of their uh, central mechanisms and they are master planners and they have been achieving a lot. But when I have been seeing their uh, presentations in the 2030 agenda in the case of China, the 2035 agenda in the case of Vietnam, the kind of tailored solutions mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. areas based on their relative um, development mm. during the years, as you know, in China there had been great uh, success in 
in certain areas, but as the authority, they say, we still have a number of poor, they are in a number of areas, and we are taking them as priority. And the kind of tailored programs for, uh, for, for, these, uh, for these people are very much localized in the way that I'm seeing it. Vietnam is another good example uh, through their 2035 um, uh, agenda, uh, for, uh, which is basically about inclusive um, um, uh, growth. Now, speaking about the new strategy that combines finance, technology, uh, innovation, yeah. uh, can you tell me a little bit about what are the new models of development that are coming to existence because of this new strategy, and, and how do you see that evolving? So, if I take a reference to ADIS, the ADIS paper, uh, which is basically about uh, the finance for development and the different uh, chapters, I see uh, ADIS as a good uh, progress since the time of Monterey. Um, that was basically given the issues related to finance for, uh, for MDGs, or the Millennium Development Goals, as a kind of a priority. ADIS gave this kind of outline. You have domestic sources through domestic resource mobilization through financial inclusion. You have external um, uh, sources uh, through the private sector, FDI, portfolio investment, and for the countries that are still in need of official development assistance, there is a chapter for it. Mm -hmm. Then they had other things, one of them about trade, public debt man uh, management, and then they had one on uh, technology and innovation. Mm -hmm. I think the, the four areas of finance were, um, were strong, the one on trade, because of obvious reasons, was not really, for those who are, believe in the importance of trade, was not strong enough. Public debt management is common sense. It's good that it is there. But the areas related to uh, technology and innovation, I think it was put in a kind of an experimental phase. And it was only dealing with the, um, uh, the shortcomings uh, of technology in the least developed countries rather than talking about technology, science, and innovation for all, because all countries, including the advanced one, would mm -hmm. like to acquire their share um, uh, of that as well. Um, I think what happened since Addis, and the, 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 um, the time moves fast, and I was just reading an interesting speech by, uh, by uh, the managing director of the IMF, Madame Lagarde, who said that 80% of the data we have today had been generated during the last two years. Mm -hmm. This means that since Addis 2015, we had 80% 80, 80 of more data. This does, doesn't necessarily mean that we have more knowledge because for data to be knowledge, you know, it has to go through a complicated process, information and, um, and process it further and to add experience and order to get it in a kind of knowledge. But here is what's happening. That what happened, we're not measuring matters by 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. When I was a student of development economics and, and finance uh, back in the 1990s, early 1990s, so the units of measure was a decade, two decades, comparing what happened in India or Egypt over, over a decade. And you call it uh, dark, uh, dark decade or, uh, or good decade for development, as we have seen it even in assessing development. Now, a decade is it's like measuring a century or more of, <laughs> of data. So what happened since Addis is I haven't really seen such um, an embrace of ideas related to science, technology, and innovation in this institution mm -hmm. since I joined it in 2010, as I saw it during the last six months or so, mm -hmm. um, or say a year. But last six months, I've seen more. 
if you measure it by the number of events and activities and sessions and speakers on this topic in this particular annual meetings, I bet this is the biggest in uh, um, since the creation of this institution. And here the talk is not about uh, uh, the fear of technology or the concerns about science, but basically how to um, um, use the best of our knowledge to um, generate good ideas supported by finance and uh, direct it to the benefit of, um, of the general public. What kind of partnerships we need to have in this institution, say, with Silicon Valley or with the likes of valleys around the world, not just in this country, but in India, in Africa. There are, uh, as you have seen today, there are many um, uh, great, um, great, bright minds around with their own ideas. Um, many of the good solutions are happening from, um, um, we saw it from Eastern Europe, um, Estonia um, uh, and its neighborhood. All of the, so we cannot really say today where the good idea of knowledge and technology will come from. In the past, it was easy. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, in the time of my father, you, were, you need a scientific solution in medicine. You go and get your uh, lessons in, uh, in London or you get it from, uh, uh, from the US. Uh, today, it's, uh, it is very much different, which is great. And just last couple of questions. The finance, uh, you mentioned finance is a key component. And as is well known, there is a significant shortfall in the amount of funding that is needed annually to yeah. fulfill the sustainable yeah. development goals mm -hmm. uh, and the amount of funding that is available through traditional sources. Uh, in your estimate, how, what are some of the best ways to meet that gap and what are some of the innovations you're seeing on the financial front to, to, to find a solution? Globally, we have the resources. Globally, and um, uh, uh, the president of the bank in his uh, pre-positioning um, um, uh, pre uh, speech uh, at Columbia University last week, who was giving examples of assets that are uh, with the negative yield or negative return or just waiting for an opportunity of the trillions of, um, of dollars around the world. Um, so... And what we need for achieving the sustainable development goals is only a fraction of that. Mm -hmm. But it's not easy. So uh, you say, well, these trillions of dollars are sitting in those accounts in Europe or in the States or in Tokyo. Uh, but definitely they are meeting a particular return to risk mix, mm -hmm. which is satisfying those who are managing these assets. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is basically information mm -hmm. and knowledge about risk and return. And in many cases, especially in the emerging markets and developing countries, finance is not flowing because of lack of knowledge or basically because the perception is giving us a kind of an idea about risk which is worse than reality. And we have seen through that kind of just availing knowledge, you can get the private sector flowing. Then there is a role of the bank as well and the IFC and MIGA that we may encourage these um, um, uh, financiers and enterprises to go into these higher risk uh, frontier markets if we are willing to take the first loss, mm -hmm. which we do. Mm -hmm. If we are willing to de-risk, which we do. Mm -hmm. If we are willing to provide grants, which we do. Mm -hmm. If we are willing to provide guarantees, which we do. Mm -hmm. So there are, and we have a great uh, uh, lady in the, in the IFC, uh, Nena, the vice president there, and her title now is about blended finance. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the, the blending of finance is basically about this public, private, and then you get a, comp a component from fixed income, a component from equity, a component from insurance, and you are in business. So this is the kind of the, the new world. You need, the first is the information and knowledge about the opportunities, and I was thrilled to see that the business community themselves, when, through the, uh, the business uh, commission, for, uh, commission for Sustainable Development Goals, they outlined, among many, four areas of work, like in energy, like in cities, like in agriculture, of hundreds of opportunities of worth of trillions of um, opportunities for investment, and they identify that by sector, and now they are doing that by region. So from global, they, are, they went to, uh, to Asia, and now understand that they are going to be doing launching uh, uh, of this uh, report in, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East and North Africa, which is known to be high risk, but at the same time, it's high return. And they tell people, this is your return if you're investing in renewable energy. This is your return if you're investing in, your, uh, in uh, education or in the social sector, in infrastructure. And here are the risk and the cost. And here are the likes of the bank uh, around the world, including ourselves, of course, that could really uh, provide uh, good funding. Yeah. One last question. Yeah. And that is, in this new, brave new world that you're describing mm. with... Uh, localization, innovation, technology, and a lot of decentralization. How does the World Bank need to change uh, to, to, to operate in this new ecosystem, global ecosystem, yeah. well, uh, um, to fulfill the goals? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the, um, the brave new world, uh, the, <laughs> the famous novel. And then um, there is the, the, a new book by um, um, the title Grave New World, which is basically <laughs> about the fears of globalization, about the, um, um, the, the concerns about um, um, new mercantilist policies, uh, protectionism, inward policies, uh, all of that. So, and, and I would say it's your world that you would create. Um, even for the smaller countries that would really, you can always blame it on the rest of the world and failure. But we have seen some brave, good leaderships around the world during the history, from small countries in size like Singapore to big countries in, in size and number of people like China. Right. In this very world, they managed to do very good for themselves. Right. Factoring in the changes, making it um, 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 as a kind of uh, supportive uh, wave for, uh, for their change. But you need first to articulate the priorities. Not all countries have this capacity. Not all countries do have the capacity of Singapore or China. Mm -hmm. But even these countries, actually, it was very much interesting to see that the countries with capable capacities mm -hmm. of designing priorities, mm -hmm. they are not shying away from checking their arguments with others, as we have seen it with, in the cases of China mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and Vietnam, for instance, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Then for some countries that are not able to articulate these priorities, they can get into, um, and this is the right as members, it's not a charity. Mm -hmm. They are members of this institution, the World Bank. They can really ask for, for help, what could be the best uh, ideas available. Um, um, we, and, and actually, the, the, the whole idea of bringing Colombia here, mm -hmm. the Minister of Finance, the Mayor of Medellin, and the people from the university, is to showcase. Mm -hmm. It's a country that, as, well, as a member of this world, we still have problems, but we are proud of what we achieved. We have our concerns, and here is our list of goods and bads, and we are sharing our experience. So this important platform, more than the money, yes, it's an important institution of development finance, 
We are the largest in providing variety of development finance to developing countries of different categories. But it's the, the power of this institution is sharing knowledge. That is the, and, and with this kind of sharing knowledge and sharing ideas, we have seen the transformation. Well, thank you so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.